0: Don't do as much cash flow play as you would more buy in really nice areas and make sure that you have a little bit of cash flow. I don't think you ever want to buy for just appreciation. Uh, That's where you get burned. Before we get into today's episode, I want to offer you a free service and a free gift. Yes, a free gift. You're a loyal best ever listener. You deserve free gifts. And it's from our best ever partner, Secure Pay One, the Landlord Helper. So are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing? Well, if you're self-managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self-managing or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then here comes a free service. Here comes a free gift. Linda Libatori, you know her. Episode seven hundred and fourteen. I interviewed her about her best ever advice. Talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem: secure pay one, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls. They handle the rent collections. They handle late payment reminders. They handle the lease violation notices. Everything from. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff. We're doing follow along Friday today. It is certainly a heartfelt and special follow along Friday. And we'll be talking about that in more detail. Specifically, I'm referencing Hurricane Harvey and what we can do to help out as well as just overall approach for investor communication when a crisis like this happens. So with us as usual, Theo Hicks, hello sir. How's it going, Joe? It's going well and let's kick things off. So the main thing we want to talk about today is how to approach investor communication when a crisis like Hurricane Harvey happens and you have investment property in that area. Mm -hmm. And the acronym that I've come up with is SOS. And the acronym stands for first, safety. So S stands for safety. And safety includes safety of the people, first and foremost, Mm -hmm. who are at the property and who are on your team. And secondly, safety stands for money. So the safety of the investment itself. And I'm gonna go through what each of the letters stands for and then I'll elaborate right. on each. Second O stands for ongoing communication, making sure that there's a constant line of communication, not unnecessary communication, but substantive communication and information. And then the last S stands for summary. So summarizing after all said and done, where are we netting out, and what's the approach moving forward with what happened. So now, first S, safety for both the people and the money. In our case, we have two properties in Houston, Mm -hmm. and one of them is not in a flood zone. The other is the one that is not in the flood zone, didn't really get anything other than a rainstorm, and it's fine. The one that is isn't a flood zone, it did take in some water, but it wasn't significant, fortunately. And most importantly, from all accounts so far, everyone is safe. Mm -hmm. The residents, the team members there. And from an investment standpoint, we have flood insurance on the one in the flood zone, so if... After we do a final assessment, once the weather cooperates, then we'll be able to determine if we are going to be making an insurance claim on that or not. And from an ongoing communication standpoint, once we saw that there was some water that was being taken in, or actually, quite frankly, once we saw that Hurricane Harvey was hitting that area, we sent out an email and we let the investors know This is where we're at so far, no water has been taken in, or so far we are seeing some water Mm -hmm. depending on the property. We have on our phones video of the properties, so I I can go on my phone and for most of our properties and I can see pictures Mm -hmm. of the property and I can see the front gate, I can see the leasing office, I can see down the path between some buildings. So I can see where it's like it's like a, like an app or like a life security feeder. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. When I didn't realize that. Yeah. So I can see right at the property what it looks like in real time. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm able to do that and know where we're at with everything. So the ongoing communication, we've communicated initially with investors once things were happening, and we're going to be sending out another email tomorrow letting them know the status as we understand it, and then. At the end, so I'd say in about a week or two, we'll have a summary. So S-O-S, at last us a summary, and that will summarize where we're netting out from an insurance claim standpoint, if there is one at all, and that will kind of conclude the crisis communication when something like this happens. But obviously, you know, if anything persists from a building up or... Any fixes, then you keep them updated after the fact on how that's going. Okay, and then it seemed that definitely for you, you were
1: proactive in all this. Like you said that, you know, once you knew it was coming, you kind of had all this stuff prepared so that when it hits, you weren't reacting. Mm-hmm. So you were kind of ahead of it. So I think that's also something important poor crises is, is just try to get ahead of it as, as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess for this one in particular, there was a warning. For other crises, it might be like a fire that just comes out of nowhere. So I guess for that one, you
0: can not be proactive, but if you can be proactive,
1: be proactive.
0: Yeah, and for fire, hurricane, earthquake, whatever, just think of SOS when you're going through your investor communication. First S stands for safety, both people, first and foremost, then money. So we make sure that you address both those things in your communication. Second, the O stands for ongoing communication. But don't bombard people with, okay, here it is this hour. Okay, now it's looking like this. Just give substantive communication. And then lastly, the summarize. So summarize what happened. Not necessarily summarize everything that happened, but summarize what were the results from a safety and and money and people standpoint. And what's the plan moving forward with either of those things, if there were anything that happened with that. And... Now, from a stepping-back standpoint, and one thing I remember watching is a Tony Robbins video, and it was when 9-11 hit, and he was in Hawaii at the time Mm -hmm. doing a seminar. He said that the approach he takes when something unexpected, terrible happens is if he is not directly affected, so if he is not, in this case, without a home Mm -hmm. where furniture is floating in your living room now where it wasn't the day before, then his focus isn't on anything other than how can I serve? And that is the mentality that I have, too. And on that note, if you are looking for ways to help Hurricane Harvey victims and have not found a way or are looking for another way, then we've put together, in coordination with an investor of mine and a friend of mine who is on the ground in Houston, we put together a distribution center mm-hmm. where you can mail clothing, shoes, socks, toothpaste, just whatever is needed down there. And I'm sure you can Google that really easily for what you should send. And if you want the information for his address, then I don't know it off the top of my head, but you can email info, I-N-F-O, at JoeFairless.com, and you'll receive the information for where to send. And what he's doing is he's receiving the stuff at his house. He has a truck, and he's loaded in his truck, and he's manually taking it to the different areas around Houston that are in need so he's taking it to shelters so if you want to help out and there's a way I sent an email to my community and it stated this but it also stated that I'm not one to judge if you don't give because there are things going on there's a huge flood not just in Houston right now and there are things coming up every day and if we all decide how we give and which way we want to give and how we want to make impact in the world, and just because I'm talking about this one thing in Houston doesn't mean that that's the only thing that's happening in the world that's bad, mm-hmm. right? And so I understand that everyone gives their own way. And so I'm just mentioning this. If you would like to find a way or like to have a way to give to help out the Hurricane Harvey people, then this is one way but by no means do I judge or anything if you choose to give other ways or to different causes or something in between. That's key, something that Marcel is like really big into like dog rescue and stuff and mm-hmm. so she'll be
1: on her phone like looking at all the images of the dogs tied up to parts of the house and drowning and stuff and she actually wanted to go down to Houston mm-hmm. and, and do something and mm-hmm. I completely understand that and you know, people always get back the way they want to get back, but. I know about six months ago, I was kind of thinking the same thing about you know, how can I give back, what's the most efficient way to give back, just because if I go down there and give my time, that could be a good thing, but well maybe you don't know what you're doing, you don't get in the way, or maybe you could be more effective other ways, and there's a company, I can't remember what they're called, but they basically, they, they did a bunch of studies to figure out what's the most effective way to, just to give back in general, and actually the best way to give back is to have a job where you make a ton of money, and actually just find a very high rated charity. And just to donate on a frequent basis, you can set up just an automatic payment or whatever. And obviously, you're not doing it yourself. So you kind of feel disconnected, but you're actually doing more by actually working a job that makes money and then donating that money versus actually spending your entire career focusing on actually doing charity. It's, it's, just, it's just what the, the study came to find out. So I always feel guilty all the time. It's like there's always problems going on and I'm not doing anything to fix them. But I like, guess based off of this study, it kind of that was alleviated because now I just you know donate a bunch of money whenever I can to things like one-time things like this, or just you find some charity and just set up like a monthly payment and kind of forget about mm-hmm. it, so it takes care of itself. There's like a, there's another thought I'm
0: giving in, in charity and, and things like that. If anyone felt the same way or thought the same way, mm-hmm. an interview I recommend listening to. It's Tim Ferriss interviewed this guy who is next level genius, and they made a show about him. You know what the guy I'm talking about? I think that's what I'm talking about. That's where I got it from. Okay, that's where I got it I can't remember what his name is. Yeah, it's like the Genius Center or something. Anyway, if you Google Tim Ferriss, I'm not sure, re, Genius Center. Well, I think he's really young. He's a philosopher. I can't remember I don't, what I don't know if he's him. really young. I don't think okay. he's really young. Maybe you thinks no. of someone else. Maybe you think of think of someone else. else, yeah. But anyway, he said a similar thing. He said the way he gives back is he earns a lot of money and then... He wants to then donate, and he used a comparison, who touched more lives, Mother Teresa or Bill Gates. And you could probably make an argument either way. So anyway, that's kind of getting off track a little bit, but cool. That's a way, if you want to give back, and that's the crisis communication, SOS, when you have investor communication that needs to be sent out in a succinct way and in a way that makes sense. Awesome! So, doing good. Closing on a deal. Closing on a deal today. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations! Thank you. Closing on a two hundred plus unit deal in Richardson, Texas. Two hundred and forty-four units. If you're really curious, and that is across the street from a deal that we have already. We expect some good economies of scale there. It's in a submarket we really like, and in fact, it's in a submarket that has the highest or second highest rent projections. This year than any other submarket in Dallas Fort Worth. Wow. Yeah, so that's that. And Colleen and I are going to Europe tomorrow and we're going to be gone for a couple weeks. And then as soon as I get back, I'm going to Dallas to go do a property tour. So we won't be doing Follow Along Friday for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And what we have in store for you, best ever listeners, we're not going to forget about you. We have in store for you two special episodes. One is with Terrell Fletcher, former NFL running back, San Diego Chargers. He's now a ordained minister, and he gives some really, really good life lessons. He's a powerful speaker, not a in-your-face guy, but just insightful, really insightful. I enjoyed my conversation with him a lot. That's going to be next Friday that that episode's going to air. And then the following, Franco Harris. He's an NFL Hall of Famer, Pittsburgh Steelers. I really enjoyed talking to him. That's going to be airing September the 15th. We talked about a life lesson that he applied towards business. And it was about a business that didn't work out. He has a couple really successful entrepreneurial ventures right now, but one lesson from a business that didn't work out is something that we can all apply towards our real estate endeavors. So that's an interview you want to make sure you listen to. So Terrell Fletcher, next Friday, September 8th, and then September 15th, we got Franco Harris, NFL Hall of Famer. Perfect. Do you have any other updates for your business? No, I think I'm good. Yeah, what okay. about you? What's what's going on with these three properties that you bought? Just a quick okay. update on those. Really nothing
1: much going on from a, like an ongoing basis. Or a project basis, I'm in the process of putting each property into individual LLC. I purchased those in the process of being registered. I believe it said it takes four to six weeks. And so a lesson that I've learned is that the next property I buy, I'm going to do this before. I'm sure it's what you do, but I'm going to create the LLC before I buy that property, so I'm not kind of sitting around and waiting for the process to complete. Uh, once that happens, I will you know, go to the bank, set up bank accounts with the EIN number, which is what I'm waiting on now, and then I'll take all the information to a lawyer. He'll do his magic and transfer the property into the LLC. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I can create the new leases for each individual LLC to have the residents sign new month-to-month leases. We decide that we're going to just continuing the month-to-month month until they want to leave and then when they leave we'll okay. turn them over and then the reason why we're doing that is because We don't have enough Capital right now to have a mass exodus. Yeah, and so as they leave we will Do some touch-ups most of the units so based off of the one unit that we had vacant that we re-rented At a rate that is a hundred dollars higher than the rates we're getting now for the similar units based on the condition of that unit I'd probably say for the majority of the one beds that we have, we won't need to do anything except we go in there and clean it or hire someone to clean it up. Yeah. And same for the two beds. I mean, there's probably only a couple of units that require some work, but they require a, a lot of work. So we're, we're kind of waiting on that for now and waiting for kind of the leases to naturally turn so that we can build up some funds so that when that happens, we can address any issues that come up. Mm-hmm. So that's the plan for right now. Again, we're just setting up LLCs, getting the property transferred into them, and then getting the new leases signed for month to month. And then something I need to figure out is when I go in to sign new leases, I'm allowed to give them my version of the lease. Like I don't have to have the exact same wording as the last lease. I can just do the lease that I have, everyone else, new people sign and we'll go from there to like, I'm obligated to give them the same terms they had before. Not like money, they're gonna pay the same, they gonna be the same month to month, but I'm saying like the wording in the lease is gonna be, like in mind, is obviously gonna be different because it's not, I'm not gonna copy the lease that they have currently.
0: If it's a new lease, it's a new lease. Okay. As
1: long as they're out of their previous lease. Okay. I was making sure if there was mm-hmm. something they could like they could do something because you know, oh I signed this lease and but that other lease is expired yeah it is expired yeah okay. new lease perfect I just wanted to yeah. confirm to make sure yeah and then <laughs> something else that's kind of funny well, when I first started doing real estate obviously you talk to your, your parents about it and they're at least from my perspective they're like what you did real estate like you can't do that like you about the you know, toilets and mm-hmm. all this stuff And so that was probably a year and a half, two years ago, and we had some very heated arguments about it too. And I hadn't even started yet. And then my mom calls me last week and says, "Hey Theo, I'm thinking about investing in some properties, and can you tell me which places in Cincinnati are good markets? I want to buy, you know, a duplex or a fourplex, and because she's retiring soon, so she'll, you know, visit and she'll live in the one unit while she's here, and then she'll Airbnb it when she's gone." And so my mom's gonna become an investor, and so I know I talked previously about potentially starting like a property management company, so I might have my first client. Sweet. Oh. Sweet. There you go. And you, you <laughs> mentioned that there. she was interested last time. A little interested. Okay. Yeah. We've got the more detail on it. Yeah. We've got her set up on the L- MLS. And Great. She, we, were, we were talking yesterday, and she's sending me all these properties Like, oh, this property is so cute. And I had to teach her how to use Google Maps mm-hmm. to do Street View and look around. And be like, Mom, like you got to look around. <laughs> like the house may look good on the inside, or the outside, but you got to look around the oh, area. Yeah. Do you want to live next to a parking lot? Yeah. Do you want to live on that okay. dead end street with this van across the street? <laughs>
0: you have got to put our show app. On her phone. Yeah, seriously. He <laughs> to some interviews. Well, then congrats on the budding property management company with your first client, the exactly. first potential client. That sounds great. So, those are the of I
1: have. So, now we can get into some listener questions that were submitted. First one is from Keith. And this isn't really a question. It's more of a, of a comment, but he can respond to it. He says, I've been working my way through choosing my own investment criteria And it's taking a lot to first understand which questions I ask myself, and then secondly, playing with the numbers to determine the best criteria based on my personality, location, and goals. And then prior to this, he was asking for if we have some sort of step-by-step guide of how to determine investment criteria for single-family homes. Let's assume that he's talking about multifamily property because that's what
0: you do so how do you determine Multi, like large multifamily it sounds like he's trying to get his first investment property okay from the way this is phrased it seems like he's just trying to start out okay so i'm going to assume it's single family and i don't know the question so he wants to know how do you determine your investment criteria and what questions do you need to ask yourself in order to do so You determine your investment criteria based on why you are choosing to invest in the first place why are you even talking about real estate what do you want that real estate to accomplish and then once you identify that is it more I need money in the bank right now or is it I need some money in the bank but I want to build a kingdom of real estate empire for the next 30 years if it's that, then maybe you don't do as much cash flow play as you would more buy in really nice areas and make sure that you have a little bit of cash flow. I don't think you ever want to buy for just appreciation. Mm-hmm. That's where you can get burned. So I'd answer that question by asking you a question. <laughs> Why are we even talking about real estate and as it pertains to you? And then answer that question yourself. Once you have the answer to that question, well, I want to make some money. Well, do you need cash flow now? Yes. Okay. Then what's your investment criteria? You need properties that cash flow. So then the question becomes, what's realistic? Well, talk to people in your market that you're looking in and ask them, what's realistic for cash flow right now? And they're going to tell you, well, you can probably get XYZ returns Mm -hmm. on this type of property then you need to know if you have the money to buy that type of property or if not, you got to figure out how you're going to get those properties through other creative methods like maybe you wholesale some deals, get some chunks of cash that way, maybe you partner with people, maybe you do seller financing terms, Mm -hmm. any number of things. And also,
1: if you don't have the money to reach your initial investment goals, you might have to... Shadow off. if you want to be a fix and flipper, shadow a fix and flipper mm-hmm. and a the wholesale couple deals, start going to meetups and just getting your education yeah. first while you're building up your funds. So yes, yeah, so I guess high level, it's why are you investing? What are you trying to accomplish? Mm-hmm. And then based off of that, try to get it to a specific number. Like I want to make $100,000 per year. Yeah. All right, well, how many properties do you need? At what cash flow do you need based off of what your market demands or what your market has to reach that number? And then start thinking of a plan of how to accomplish that. It's always about reverse engineering. You mm-hmm. kind of just say, like, all right, what's my end goal? And then what are the small steps I need to take to get there? And he's kind of breaking it down from yeah. there. That's a great way to put it. And it, he was kind of also asking about my personality. And, again, if you want to know what your personality is, there's plenty of personality tests out there that you can take and then based off of those results. Listen to podcasts. Just get as much as possible to see which one of those interesting the most like what part of real estate you're passionate about and that right there will kind of tell you what your personality is
0: yeah at this point keith i don't think he'd be even taking a personality quiz (laughs) i think come on like just why are you investing in real estate why do you want to do it what do you want that to accomplish and then as steve was talking about just reverse engineer that talk to people in your market see what's doable and then if you don't have the money then get the money save it make it Earn it, whatever.
1: Based off of kind of going through the bigger pockets, forums, and but mostly based off of my personal experience starting out, something that <laughs> I did, and I think a lot of people do, is that they want to make it more complicated than it is. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but they want to. I wanted to make myself feel like I, I was doing something, so I mm-hmm. kind of just do things that you could rationalize to yourself that it was worth something. That's I, so I, true. Like, I literally, this is what I did. I went on, like, the um, to study the markets, I went and I, like, logged. I was going to mail do mailers and I literally went on the auditor site and I logged like every single property in the neighborhood. It took hours and hours and hours of time and I thought I was doing something. I thought I was like accomplishing something and so I got all these spreadsheets of all this work that I did and then I didn't touch it. And then a couple months later, it was like, oh, maybe I think I will do mailers. And then I did a little bit of research, like 10 minutes of research and I realized I could just reach out to the auditor. And they'll set up an account, and I could just pull all that information in like two seconds. Mm-hmm. So again, the reason I did that because I wanted to make it seem like I was doing something, so like, man, i could be like, "Oh, you know, you're making progress." Mm-hmm. But in reality, like what I was doing was not making any progress. Mm-hmm. And so you know, in this case, is taking a personality test really going to put you closer to your goals, or is that just something you're doing to make it seem as if you are, but in reality? you're not really doing anything and trust me i
0: i know exactly what it's like to do that so it's like if you have something important that you've been procrastinating on then instead of doing that thing then you clean your desk or you go get a candy bar or you do something else that's not related to that just because you're delaying the inevitable Mm -hmm. well something
1: interesting i don't want to ramble too much but something about the cleaning your desk part at least for that for me whenever i'm not motivated I'll do something very very small like that Mm -hmm. like like accomplishing a task getting a candy bar you're not really accomplishing anything Mm -hmm. but like cleaning your desk is a tangible change for the better in your surroundings like oh okay then you blow out that momentum it's like very small but you use that to go something else but yeah getting a candy bar (laughs) (laughs) that's definitely procrastinating yep okay I like that it's like a hack kind of to get some motivation alright so that covers Keith's question Uh, next question we have is by City Park Properties this is via YouTube right via YouTube yeah and he said, what are the increased costs when you form an LLC? And for multiple LLCs, do you feel more obligated to use an accountant more often aside from the standard tax filing? So I guess increased costs for an LLC, and then when you do more, do you bring on an accountant versus just doing it yourself online? That's kind of how I get interpret that question.
0: I could be wrong, though. I don't know what increased costs mean when you form an LLC. Does that just mean how much does it cost to form an LLC? Like, what is it increasing from... I'm not sure. Okay, so what is the cost to form an LLC, I guess? Then depends, but all in, if you have an attorney do it, $1,000. LegalZoom, probably a couple hundred. Mm-hmm. But then you've got to have a registered agent. you got to have stuff mailed to you. And I did my first couple on LegalZoom, and now I just have an attorney do them. It's a lot easier to have them handle everything. Mm-hmm. They do the operating agreement all, all that stuff. But when I got started, I did legal LegalZoom because I needed to make sure I was pinching pennies. And now it's not that I'm just lavishly throwing money around, but it's just a better setup because I want to make sure everything's done properly. That's more important to me than saving mm-hmm. six, $800 plus my time to do it. So that's why I go with Ternier Out. And what was the follow-up? And, and so it? the follow-up question
1: is, for multiple LLCs, do you feel more obligated to use an accountant more often aside from the
0: standard tax filing. Does that question make sense? Yeah, if you have more entities, are you more likely to use an accountant, right? Yes, unless you want a heart attack or a stroke prematurely. Yeah, I would have an accountant handle your stuff. And we've talked about that, yep, we've done that last many time. times.
1: The second question, I think it's kind of like a guess or no question, but can you invest your own money upfront and then go back to the bank and get them to
0: refinance it, I guess. So I think the answer yes. is yes. Sure. I did that in my third house. Bought it all cash from Bank of America. It was a foreclosure in 2010 or something, 2011. Bought it all cash. I bought it for 65000 And then I got appraised shortly thereafter for 86000 And I did put a loan on it. Cash out refi, got all that money back, and I used that money to start my real estate investing business. How soon after closing were you able to refinance? Good question. I knew, yeah, I knew that was coming. I don't remember exactly, as a short answer. Now, if I'm gonna guess, I want to say it was six months after
1: I closed. I think that's what it is. You know? Yeah. Because we you know someone that Marcelo works with who just bought a
0: property all cash. Yeah.
1: He's working with the same lender that we use for our properties, and he either said he can do it right away or in six months.
0: Yeah, it depends on the lender. Mm -hmm. It could be right away. If I'm a lender, why not if the person has it all cash? But I'm sure lenders out there who are listening are like, well this is why. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so those are the questions we had for this week. Do we want to mention the Best Ever Conference to wrap up? Yeah, we've added a couple new speakers to the Best Ever Conference. You can go to besteverconference.com one of them is going to talk to us about parking lot investing. I've interviewed him before on the show. And right now, there's an early bird special. This is the lowest that you'll be able to get a ticket for during the early bird special. So besteverconference.com. Looking forward to seeing you there. It is in February in Denver. Awesome.
1: To wrap up, please leave a review on on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast for the opportunity to be the review of the week. This week we've got Jitta Alufa, a quick one, and he says, Joe gives you actionable intel and tells you how to get properties even in competitive markets. So thank you for the review and we are glad that you are getting actionable advice from the show.
0: Thanks everyone. Looking forward to having a follow on Friday with you in a couple weeks. And in the meantime, does next two Fridays enjoy the interviews with the NFL greats? Are you an investor who self-manages, talks to your residents, collects checks, and handles all the day-to-day tasks? Well, there's a better way, best ever listener. And guess what? That better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One, the landlord helper, will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue, and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and 30-minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. The Target Market Insights podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at targetmarketinsights.com. That's targetmarketinsights.com.